Welcome to the PCTR Podcast. I'm Robbie Itterberg, Senior Pastor. I want to thank you for listening today. We hope that you hear from God and that this podcast encourages you in your faith journey. You can connect with us on social at facebook.com slash PCTRNJ or our Instagram handle, PCTRNJ. Or you can find more information or resources at PCTR.org. Have a great day. Peace. Well, if we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Christian. I'm one of the pastors here. And as we get started here, I have a a question for you. Have you ever felt what it's like to be in someone's shadow? It can be a, a somewhat awkward situation, something that's sometimes hard to talk about. It tugs on our self worth. It can be a variety of different situations. Perhaps you have an older sibling, and you, perhaps you can remember going through school, and uh, teachers or administrators would remember you as your sibling's younger brother or sister. And sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes it's not. And you have to strive to make your own uh, impression on those people and uh, your own reputation. Perhaps it's a friend that is just so charismatic and people long to be um, next to your friend and want to know about your friend more and um, you feel like you're in their shadow. Perhaps it's a co-worker, sometimes it's even your spouse. It can be a variety of different situations. But sometimes we find ourselves in someone else's shadow. And that's exactly what we have in the person that we're looking at as we continue our sermon series today. Our sermon series is Just Like Us, Ordinary People Changing the World. And we've been going through this uh, throughout this summer, looking at the different disciples, the 12 disciples that become the apostles, and looking at them and realizing them that while Christ worked through them in significant ways that they really truly start out in humble places, just like us. Yet God changed them and worked through them and changed the world, and we actually are beneficiaries of their ministry. And so we've been looking at them. We've looked at 10 so far, and we're coming, we're down to the last two. And we've had an earlier set of brothers, and the last two are another set of brothers. Today we are looking at Andrew. Next week we'll look at his brother Peter. We've already heard about them in our earlier passage, these brothers. And um, we heard when Andrew was introduced, I don't know if you caught it when we were hearing that passage, um, but Andrew is introduced as Peter's brother when we haven't even met Peter yet. It's, it's a tough thing. The, Peter cast such a shadow that he didn't even need to be introduced yet to be referenced in this gospel. But here's Andrew in this shadow of Peter his brother. We don't know if it's older or younger. We don't know the birth order, um, but uh, Peter must have had a significant influence, and we'll think on that, but we're looking at Andrew. And so who is Andrew? We can look at his name. His name it means literally manly. Um, so we have Cephas, Rocky, and then we have the brother Andrew, which means manly. And these two uh, guys, these two brothers were fishermen, um, 
Andrew, we, as we heard in the passage, was a disciple of John the Baptist and been listening to his teaching and following him. And it was John the Baptist that prompted um, Andrew and another disciple to start following Jesus. When Jesus went by and, and um, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. And from that, we recognize that in that conversation that happens with Jesus, it's Andrew has sometimes, there's not a lot that we know about him. He's only mentioned 12 times in the New Testament, but um, this is one of those events that we, he has mentioned, and it, it, we don't know the other person's name. We think it might be John, but Andrew's name is mentioned, and so he's sometimes referred to as the first called disciple. And so he's recognized as that. And so we kind of have to look carefully for these details, but we can see something about Andrew. We can see that he has a tendency to do something, and that tendency is to bring people to Jesus. We can already see this emerging in that first instance uh, in that passage in John where Andrew encounters Jesus and spends the day with him and it seems to stay in the same place. And the next day, he's recognizing that Jesus is the Messiah and goes to get his brother and brings his brother to encounter Jesus. There's another place where later on, much later, Jesus is at the temple and there are some people, they're described as Greeks, and they want to encounter Jesus. They've heard of Jesus. They want to meet Jesus. And they, these Greeks um, come to one of the disciples, but the disciple's not sure what to do, so they turn to Andrew, and Andrew says that they should bring these people to Jesus. And so again, Jesus is, uh, Andrew is bringing people to Jesus. It seems to be a reoccurring theme. And we're going to see that in our passage that we have here today. And so I encourage you to read this, uh, read this with me. It's uh, a passage that's going to be very familiar, but I want you to keep an eye out for what's going on with Andrew. Our, first, or our, our text here is John chapter 6. It's the first 15 verses. Listen for the word of God. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore, the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming to him, and he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for the, these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There, were, there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. 
when they had um, enough to eat, he, had, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word and for preserving it for us all these years. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be here and open it up, that we would come to know and love you more and more. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this very familiar passage, but I'm, I'm zeroing us in on Andrew, and, and before Andrew there's this interaction with Philip. And it's not surprising that Jesus turns to Philip because as we read carefully, we can see that this is really Philip's neighborhood. I mean, they're in the country, but they're in the region where Philip came from. And so if you need to get a cartload, or you would probably need a couple cartloads of food to feed more than 5,000, and surely it's more than 5,000 and their old-timey way of, of counting, they only counted the men, and surely there was more than just men there. Um, but if you're going to feed that many and you're in Philip's neighborhood, you should ask Philip where to find so much food. And um, this, is, this is, Jesus doesn't necessarily have in mind logistics. He wants to see how Philip will respond. And sadly, Philip misses the opportunity. He, he looks at the crowd, surely, and sees it's too many. And how can we pull this off? It would take so much money. He misses the point. But Andrew, Andrew doing again what I have already mentioned, this thing that Andrew does brings someone to Jesus. He brings a young person that has five small barley loaves and two fish. And Jesus recognizes this and recognizes that there's a little bit of faith. Andrew doesn't have full faith. He, he doesn't say like, here, Jesus, just take this and make it happen. It's, it's not quite that full-throated, full 100% faith, but there's a little bit of faith there. There's a little bit of faith there, and he can work with that. Jesus can work with a little bit of faith, even if there's some doubts still there, because Andrew's like, ah, you know, how can it go so far? But there's faith, and he works with it, and he, he dives into that, and he does this amazing thing and feeds all these people. This is so amazing. This is the one miracle in Jesus' ministry that's in all four Gospels. The different Gospels have different points of view, but there's only one miracle that shows up in all of them, and it's the feeding of the 5,000. This was a significant event, and Philip missed the opportunity, but Andrew had at least a little faith in staying true to who he is and bringing someone to Jesus. And Jesus can work with this, with a little bit of faith. Elsewhere, Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move over here, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And this is really good news for us. 
This is good news that we don't necessarily always ha- have to have full faith. And, and, and honestly, uh, for a lot of us, we don't always feel that we have complete confidence, that we can't quite see how Jesus is going to do it. But nonetheless, if we have some faith, Jesus can move into that situation and do amazing things, amazing things that he wants to accomplish. He, Jesus has a plan here, and he's accomplishing that. I'm not saying, uh, just cautionary, I'm not saying we can get whatever we want you don't hear me saying that, that if we just have even the slightest faith, we can get anything. Sometimes God's answer is, sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's yes, but not yet. It can also be yes, but in a different way. Um, but we need to be praying into God's will, that, that God's will be done in the situation. So hear me, I'm not saying that we get everything we want. But if we come to faith and we're in God's will, and even we have a little bit of faith, Jesus can do amazing things. That's exactly what he does here. And, And I think he wants to do the same in our own lives. And whether they're big things or little things, he can make things happen. I think about Andrew, and as I was thinking about Andrew this week, I was thinking of another person who had a tendency to bring uh, uh, someone, and God works in that situation. I couldn't actually remember his name because his name was so in the shadow of this other person. I actually had to go to our church library. I was pretty confident, and I was right. We actually had this person's biography. That person was Billy Graham. And Billy Graham, who had this amazing ministry of sharing the gospel with hundreds of thousands of people, it started with someone else. I don't know if you know the other person. His name was Albert, Albert McMacken. And Albert McMacken was inviting Billy Graham, a young Billy Graham. He was only 16 years old at the time, and Billy Graham was not interested in going and hearing preacher uh, Ham give a, a message that night, but Albert was pursuing Billy Graham, and um, and Albert uh, did what it took to try to get Billy Graham to encounter Jesus through um, Pastor Ham. And how did he do that? I don't know if you know this or not, but this 16-year-old was interested in driving the vegetable truck that Albert had. And so Albert said, okay, you know what? I'll let you drive the vegetable truck, and we're going to go and pick up some other people along the way, but I'll let you drive. If that gets you there, if that's what it takes. And Albert did this. And uh, I think this is in the vein of, of Andrew that we have here in the New Testament, bringing people. And, and when people are brought and encounter Jesus, and there's this faith in the midst of that, amazing things can happen. And I think he, he can do amazing things. He's done amazing things. He did amazing things through Albert bringing Billy Graham so the gospel message will go far and wide internationally and impact so many lives. Um, and um, he can work in our lives. It might be seemingly small, but Jesus can work in the midst of it. There's a couple other aspects of our passages here with Andrew that I want to pick up on. And one of them is that Andrew is the first person that calls Jesus 
the Messiah. This Hebrew word Messiah, it, it's in Greek it's often um, a Christos or Christ, and um, we have this idea of the Messiah, the long-promised one, the one that we were looking for. And we recognize in Scripture that the world is broken. And we still see this brokenness, but there is this promise. God has a plan to bring healing, and he's going to do that through the ultimate Messiah. Messiah literally means the anointed one. And they would, um, in, in Israel's history, they would anoint people for various things, especially for kings. They would put oil on their head and on their shoulders. And it was this idea that they would shimmer. It would be like the light of God was coming down on them. Uh, and it's that God's glory is kind of, in some sense, shining upon them because this person has uh, a special role to play. And Andrew recognizes and is the first person in Scripture that recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that they've been looking for and longing for and is going to be the answer to the problem. There had been these other stopgap measures of dealing with our brokenness in the world with sacrifices and the, the, there was all kinds of sacrifices, grain and wine and animal sacrifice and all these different things, but it never changed hearts. But the Messiah was coming to change hearts, to transform lives, and to find a new way forward. And that was in the person of Jesus, and ultimately he had to be the ultimate sacrifice to go for us on the cross, to do what we could never do for ourselves because we were never a perfect sacrifice. But he did that for us. And Andrew recognizes, even before Jesus had gone to the cross, that Jesus was the Messiah. And so he brought his brother, and he brought this young boy with five loaves and two fish. He would bring the Greeks. I'm sure he brought many other people to Jesus. One other element is that, that this is happening in the wilderness at the time of the Passover. I don't know if you caught that. There was this one little line in our passage that said that this is in the time of the Passover festival. And the pas- Passover festival should make the reader's minds jog back to the Exodus and remembering that the Passover was the, the 10th plague. And the, the plagues were to help get the people out of Egypt. They had been there for 400 years and they were in slavery and they were crying out to God to rescue them. And God heard their prayer and sent Moses and used Aaron to accomplish his purposes. Pharaoh's heart was hardened and would not let the people go, but God worked on that through the plagues. The tenth plague was the Passover plague, uh, and that was um, the, the death of the firstborn. But the, the people who were being rescued were saved by the Passover lamb. The people were to take a lamb and um, slaughter it and take the blood and put it on their doorposts, and then the Spirit of God would pass over them. And this evokes that earlier passage with John the Baptist, who says, Behold the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. Someone that will be sacrificed, that that God's judgment um, will pass over them. That they will be rescued. That they will be safe. And they'll be brought out. 
And so it's the Passover season, and here they are in the wilderness, and they have no food, which evokes the, the exodus and the people wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And how were they sustained? God provided them manna, and God provided them quail. And what does Jesus do here? He has a whole host of people, a mass of people in the wilderness, hungry, and he feeds them. I think this is why this is in all four Gospels. They're recognizing that Jesus is moving in a mighty and powerful way and providing. Just as God the Father provided for the people in the wilderness for all those years, Jesus too provides. He cares for the people, those that are drawn to him. He wants to make a difference in their lives, and he's connecting himself. He's saying who he is. He's saying he is God. He is God. He is the Messiah and wants to move in a mighty and powerful way. And so we have Andrew. We're looking at Andrew as he's bringing people to Jesus. He's not perfect. He's a, he's a guy living in his brother's shadow. Um, he's, uh, but he's doing what he can. And I'm sure he did many other things that we don't know of. The scroll can't contain everything um, that he did. But what we see, we see that he was a humble person. But he acted with some faith. Was it perfect faith? Was it full-throated faith? No, but he had enough faith to respond to Jesus, to recognize who he is and to draw others. I think we have the opportunity to respond to what Andrew is doing for us today. We are invited to take a step closer to Jesus. Wherever we are, whether we are far from Jesus or we have been walking with Jesus all our lives, we have an opportunity to try to step closer in, to be closer. And as we do, we can see what Jesus does in us and through us. And so we have this opportunity to respond to what Jesus is doing. Jesus is so excited. The Messiah, the provider, wants to move in us and work through us. We have that opportunity, and we should lay hold to it today and every day. Amen? Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the testimony of Andrew, how he recognized Jesus, how, recognized what Jesus was doing um, in his ministry. Lord, help us to have similar eyes. Lord, help us to have a similar impulse to bring others to Jesus, that we would be able to um, um, point people towards Jesus in a winsome way that people would come to know and love you more and more. Lord, we pray that you would help us to have a closer walk with you. Lord, wherever we are, whether we are far or whether we are close, whether we feel like we're living in someone's shadow, whether we are feeling that our self-worth is impacted, Lord, help us to work through that. Help us to have your strength. Help us to be drawn to you, that you would move in our lives, that we would find the satisfaction, that we would find our identity, that we would find our worth in you, because that is you are our ultimate source of worth and value. Lord, we thank you for this, and we pray all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.